Father, we come before you in prayer, and Lord, each one of us has come to this place carrying burdens, circumstances, Lord, injuries and things of life, and uh, Lord, just the result of living in an evil world. We ask now that we be able to be comforted in the truths of these songs that we sing to you. Lord, only, only men can sing the song of redeemed. And Lord, we praise your name that you didn't save us over and over again, or you didn't save us a little by little, but you did it all at one time, and that we can trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to praise your name this morning for all the great things you've done. We want to be challenged from your word. Lord, most of all, we want to worship you. And in worshiping you, you must change us and make us so that what we do will be acceptable to you. We pray that you would receive the songs we sing, the special music, the offering that we give. But most of all, Lord, when we get to the time of invitation... I pray that the preaching will be simple and straightforward. And Lord, that there will be things that we can do, decisions that we can make this day that will help us to bring true worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A diving board, or we might say, or a launch pad for the sermon this morning. That's not the actual text that we'll be dealing with, but... The Bible gives us insight or pictures, uh, living illustrations of many things to help us understand how we ought to live. And here in the book of Revelation, there are uh, many things going on. And we're just going to read a a few verses here. And uh, I'd like for us to read verses 3 and 4. It says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Now, we do not have time to set the entire context here, but other things are going on. Jesus has taken the book out of the hand that him that, of him that sits on the throne, God the Father, and as he breaks each one of those seals, a whole different uh, realm uh, and, and series of judgments is poured out on the earth. In verse 1 of chapter 8, it says there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Now, could you imagine that? I mean, silence is a deafening thing at times, is it not? And here in heaven, for a half an hour, nothing moves. No praise is given to God. The mighty beasts that surround the throne, the twenty and four elders, the multitude of the angels, every one is still 
and quiet. Then comes an angel, and there's a golden altar before the throne of God. And it says, much incense is given to him, and he pours those burning coals upon that golden altar, and he takes that incense and literally smothers the coals with the incense. And that incense, those coals being uh, the hottest part of the fire begin to melt, and that incense begins to smoke, and... and and uh, the, the smoking of that uh, thing uh, ascends before the throne of God. And yet it's interesting here, one little pr- uh, phrase is stuck in there, with the prayers of all saints. So as this incense is being offered, and, and by the way, just so we don't, misunderstand anything, not trying to be rude at all in any way this morning, but when you walk down the sidewalk and you get that horrible smell and you see the guy there with the little sticks burning, that's not the same thing, all right? Uh, Yeah, that is incense, but that's not what was going on here. This was a golden altar. We're going to go to the book of Exodus if you want to find your way to Exodus chapter 30 where we're going to spend the main time there. Uh, I, I love to teach on what we call types in the Bible. Uh, this is where God has given us a physical, actual thing, ceremonies attached to it, and, and yet it pictures something far greater than the actual physical thing that, that is happening. And this here reminds us and helps us make some connections that this golden altar that was in what we call the Old Testament tabernacle, and then later there was another one that was built for the temple, uh, Solomon's temple, and uh, another one was actually built for the temple of Zerubbabel that was there in the days when Jesus walked on the face of the earth. Uh, that was the one that Zechariah offered the incense on. And as he was offering incense... Gabriel appeared beside the altar and answered Zechariah's prayers and said, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be John, John the Baptist. And uh, kind of like that guy. How about you? But we don't have time to talk about John this morning. What, we're, what I'm trying to speak on this morning is the art of... Of prayer. And I get that from Exodus chapter 30. And let's just turn there and and read together a few verses from the end of the chapter. We've been over this material before, if you've been here, but um, I I was looking over my notes and we actually spent seven Sunday nights uh, teaching this and uh, uh, going to try to condense this into one. Uh, sermon this morning and pray that it would be uh, a blessing so we can't get all of the details in and all of the extra things. But Exodus chapter 30, and uh, let's just read uh, verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon, of shittim wood shalt thou make it, a cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof, 
the horns thereof shall be of the same, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And let's go down to verse 6. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. So we have what we call the golden altar of incense. It sat in the tabernacle directly in front of the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And Behind the veil was the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant. The mercy seat was the covering of the Ark of the Covenant. That was something that was not seen ever by the priest. Even on the Day of Atonement, as he would walk into the most holy place with the blood of the offering and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, it would be done in total darkness. In fact, he would have to take a censer full of incense from off this golden altar and fill the most holy place with the smoke of that incense before he himself would step behind the veil and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. Now, if you've been here very long, we've been over this. This is a living illustration of what Jesus Christ did to save us. Read Hebrews chapter 9. He did not enter into a tabernacle made with hands, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor that he should offer himself often as a high priest every year with the blood of others. The Bible tells us, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That Hebrews chapter 10, he gave one offering for sin forever. You see, that's why you can have an eternal salvation. Because Jesus did the work. I hope you never mind hearing this. Because I'm going to say it often until the Lord takes me home. It is finished. That's why those words are up there. Jesus has finished all the work. Everything that needs to be done for you to get saved has been completed by the love, by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, we are saved because Jesus did the work. But here in the book of Revelation, we have this uh, tabernacle brought back and find out that it's not here on earth, but this is picturing the things that are in heaven. And one of the reasons we believe the blood-sprinkled mercy seat 
is picturing our salvation is because in front of the mercy seat, in front of the throne of God, is a golden altar, just like the golden altar that was in the Old Testament tabernacle, just like the one that was in the temple. And this priest offers incense, this angel in the book of Revelation offers incense, with the prayers of all saints. Now, I want you to think, how many of you have candle warmers? You know what a candle warmer is? It's so you can use the candle over and over again and not just burn it up one time. Uh, It heats the candle and it allows the scent of the wax as it gets hot to be dispersed throughout the room. There's something I like about a lit candle. I just enjoy that. Uh, watching the little flame there. And, of course, it doesn't help get any study done. And, and usually the smell blocks up my sinuses so I can't breathe. So it, it's not something I involve myself in very often. But, I mean, uh, sometimes there's just some beautiful, incredible odors, smells that you can make. Uh, how many of you have enjoyed just you just walk down the street and they've just taken the first batch of bread out of the oven in the morning. Oh, wow. You don't have to be on the same block to know there's a bakery there. And when they're making the cookies and the cakes and all of that, I mean, they, they just, wow. I mean, they, that's why they open those doors so that the, the, the breeze will come out. And grab a hold of you and drag you in there and make you buy all kinds of things to make you big and fat and clog your veins with cholesterol. And uh, I'm going to keep doing it until the doctor tells me I can't anymore. Amen. Um, But the reason I bring that up is because your smell is the most incredible of all your senses. You know, we have made uh, optics that allow us to see miles away. Uh, They tell us that uh, in those spy satellites that uh, hover over the earth, that they can actually read a newspaper in your hand from space. I don't know if it's true or not. But I'll tell you some of the things that that the military does. It wouldn't surprise me if that that was absolutely possible. It's it's unbelievable what they can see from space. I can't hardly if I take my contacts out. Somebody said I. I, Somebody said, "Are you nearsighted or farsighted?" I said, "Well, I'm, I'm nearsighted. I can't see anything far away, like about here." And uh, uh, so I, I desperately need uh, vision enhancement. I can't see. But do you know that it's only been in very recent times that with all of our computer technology that we've come up with uh, a machine that can smell as well as a human nose. But only, only... One or two things at a time. 
Do you know that you can smell dozens of different scents and pick them up all at the same time? How many of you have had the ordeal of smelling that fresh bread and you go, Oh, no. And you look down, there's a stagnant puddle of warm muck on the street that's mixing with the fresh bread. Oh, I just hate that. One of my favorite things is in the springtime, walking up and down the streets in Astoria, and people here grow honeysuckle. And I love the smell of honeysuckle. And I'll just stop. I hope they don't get mad, but I lean over the fence and I smell the flowers. Uh, I enjoy that. Reminds me when I was a kid and we had it growing wild in the yard and in the woods all around where I lived. Smell is an incredible thing. And God has chosen it to help you and I understand how sensitive He is to our prayers. God wants to answer prayer. That's all through the Bible. It's also all through the Bible that many people prayed for things that God said no to. Uh, it's also through the Bible God says, read James chapter 5. He says, you pray. He said, and you don't obtain because you're not praying the right way. And I'm not going to honor those prayers. And and we say, well, how how in the world... Does God determine what He's going to hear and what He's not going to hear? Well, uh, it's all explained to us here in Exodus chapter 30. If we will look at this living illustration, it will teach us some things about our prayers and how it ought to be done. Number one, and we're not going to chase all these references through, no one but the priest could offer incense on the altar. But not only did you have to be a priest. Now, in order to be a priest, you had to be a direct descendant of Aaron and his two sons. You had to be in that direct line or you could not operate as a priest. In fact, if you'll read in in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 26, Uzziah the king, his heart was lifted up, the Bible says, and he walked into the temple and he was going to offer incense upon that golden altar. And the priest stood against him and, and they were there in the temple and they said, this is not to your honor, O king. God did not give you the privilege of offering incense on that altar. And the Bible says that the leprosy sprang out in his forehead even as he was in the temple. And it says that he was a leper until the day of his death. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. Never again did he offer a sacrifice because you could not offer a sacrifice if you were unclean. And leprosy precluded that. Will we see Uzziah in heaven? Oh, yeah. But oh, what he missed out on because he transgressed God's commandment. Does God hear every prayer that's ever prayed? Of course he does, because he's God. But he's under no obligation to listen unless that prayer comes from a priest. 
See, that's one of the things, one of the reasons why we have that name on the outside of this building. Open Door Bible Baptist Church. You see, that word Baptist means some things. Historically, if you want to trace back this thing, we call it the priesthood of the believer. We believe that every person who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior has direct access to God as a priest. And that you are responsible to God for your relationship with God. And this is illustrated in the Old Testament tabernacle because not only could the, it had to be a priest, but guess what? That priest had to have on the proper garments of a priest. He had to be consecrated as a priest. That took seven days in order to fulfill the entire consecration process. Only when he was born right, consecrated, dressed right, could he enter the tabernacle or the temple and offer incense. Oh, by the way, even if he had done all of those things, he still had to stop at the brazen laver and wash off every speck of dust of his hands and his feet. You see, the rest of his body, he had already taken a bath as part of his consecration. He was clean. And if something happened, He would have to go back and go through the entire process again before he could offer that incense. We are so careless about our prayers before God sometimes. And we wonder why he doesn't answer us. He's not the man upstairs. Years ago, somebody stopped me on the street as you're passing out tracks. And he says, I've got a great conflict. Maybe you could help me. You're a religious man. Are you the pastor of the church? I told him I was. and He said, in the Orthodox Church, we genuflect from right to left. And in the Catholic Church, they genuflect from left to right. Which one is right? Oh my, the great question of the ages. We've all been waiting to hear this, haven't we? It's amazing what people will wrap themselves up in when they reject the simple truth that's in the Bible. I said, can I solve your problem? You you can? I said, yeah. I said, that's not in the Bible. Anywhere. You don't make the sign of the cross. You see, what that is, is an abbreviated prayer. God doesn't believe in abbreviated prayers. It's an insult. Borders on blasphemy at times. I hope you never say, oh my God. Don't use that phrase. I was... In the store the other day, and the lady was checking my receipts to make sure I hadn't stuffed a Cadillac in one of those boxes going out of the uh, warehouse, you know. And and, uh, uh, she was looking through, and she goes, 
Oh my God, look at all this stuff. And I'm sitting here going, it wasn't his fault, I bought it, amen? She's looking at me like, uh, you know, we blame God for everything. That's what that is. Don't, don't do that. When you address God, you address Him as our Father. Amen? You see, I can pray anywhere, anytime. Because I am a priest. The robes that I need to wear to come into the presence of God are the robes of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Guess what? He lets me borrow them right now. Until I get to heaven and get a glorified body, then I'll have them forever. Amen? And if I want to be clean, I stop at the laver. That's what Ephesians is talking about, the washing of the water of the Word. And I get my hands clean, and I get my feet clean. You know why? Because the rest of me already is clean, because Jesus saved me. Amen? You see, this is the picture. But how often was this to be done? We read the verses in 7 and 8 of chapter 30 of the book of Exodus. Every morning as the priest came in and ordered the tabernacle, he would stop at the brazen altar out in the courtyard. And he would scrape away the ashes, leaving the coals from the night before. And he would start a new fire. And he would take a little lamb... And he would cut that little lamb's throat and pour the blood out around the base of the altar. And then he would cut up that lamb and he would put it on top of the fire that he had built. And he would offer the morning sacrifice. And he would stop at the brazen laver and wash his hands and his feet to make sure that they were clean. And he would take a censer. And he would open that up and he would scrape some of those coals into that censer. And he would close it. And then he would stop at the labor again and make sure there was no ash on his feet or his hands, that he was perfectly clean. And he would step into the tabernacle, into the holy place. And he would trim the wicks on the lamp. And remove the carbon from the night before and make sure that the reservoirs of oil were completely full. That the lamp would be able to burn all the day through. And then he would go to the golden altar. And he would take those burning coals. And he would scrape off the dead fire and embers from the night before. And he would pour those burning coals on. And he would offer incense in the morning. He did it in such a way that that fire would smolder all through the day. At sunset, he would do it again. So that that smoke was rising from that altar of incense all through the night. 
that in the morning when he came in, it would still be hot from the night before. Do you think that's what the Bible means when Paul told the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing? That, that's the illustration. How does that work? Well, it, it's very simple. What did you do yesterday that you didn't pray about? Now, if you can start making a list, you didn't pray without ceasing. How many of you have had some problem at work and you pray about it before you go to work? You say, Lord, help me get through this day and deal with the problems that I have to deal with and keep an attitude and a testimony that will be befitting the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you work as a bartender, you can't pray that prayer. Because there's nothing you're going to do that God can bless. But I'll tell you, some of us got things going on that are very difficult to do. And you need to pray before you start. Well, guess what? The incense is smoking while you're having to work. I believe in praying while you drive. But don't close your eyes and get on your knees. I've seen all kinds of distracted drivers in this city. It's amazing what people think they can get away with while they're driving. My favorite is the guy on the bicycle. He's tightened up the yoke so that the steering wheel doesn't move, and he's pedaling on his bike at 15, 20 miles an hour, no hands on the handlebar, texting like this, down the road, and I'm sitting here going, Lord, thank you for making me a Christian, because if I weren't, I'd be putting a stick in those folks. (laughs) I can't do those things. That's the flesh speaking. But it just infuriates me, all the crazy things that people do. But you know, if you pray before you drive, the incense can be rising while you're paying attention to everything on the road. And you're going to be a better driver if you pray before you drive. Just like if you pray before you go to work, if you pray before you take a test. Don't pray and ask God to help you remember things you didn't study. God's not going to answer that prayer. But if you have prepared, maybe you need a little prayer so that your brain will work better. Amen? I think God will answer that prayer. You see, these are all things that are in here. And every morning and every evening. And I want to just allude to one other thing as we get through our main introduction and try to get into the main part of the sermon here this morning. The fire was very special. It could only come from one place. Read Leviticus chapter 10, what God did. When Nadab and Abihu, two 
of Aaron's sons, if we understand correctly, his eldest sons offered strange fire before the Lord. We don't know where they got it. We don't know how they did it. But it didn't come from the brazen altar. And it says fire came out from before the Lord and they perished. You read it very carefully. Later it says they carried them out in their garments. Now I'm not trying to get too graphic this morning, but when a person is burned to death, normally their clothes are the first thing that goes. God didn't burn the clothes because those were the priestly garments and they had a right to put those on. But he burned the guys that were in them because they defiled the presence of God by offering strange fire before the Lord. We prayed to the same God. Aren't you glad he doesn't do that every time we mess up in our prayers? You see, that's why Jesus died on the cross. Because he already forgave us. The judgment of God has already passed. But what are we supposed to do? When God, through the Holy Spirit, through the written word of God, makes us understand of sin and problems in our life, We are to confess those sins to God. And sometimes we have to confess them to other people as well. And ask their forgiveness. It says that He is faithful, ever there, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the brazen altar, if I can just say this in a couple of sentences, is a picture of the death of self. There's only one way I can get rid of my desires and my thoughts. You, you'll hear me say this often. This is the evil that is in the book, The Purpose Driven Life. It tells you that God put desires in you and you tell God what they are and He will give them to you. The Bible says exactly the opposite. The desires that are in you are against God and against His Word and cannot be from God. You've got to go to this book and you've got to get God's desires transplanted in you through the Holy Spirit of God so that you can know the difference between what is right and wrong. So you can know what to pray for. This is where praying in Jesus' name comes in. You see, I am to pray for the things that Jesus would pray for if He were standing in my shoes and talking to God about the problems I'm talking about. I don't have the right to ask God to do what I want to do. I only have the right to ask God what Jesus would want to do. That's what praying in His name is all about. And the fire helps us to see And understand how serious God is. How much effort it takes. That's why Jesus said you have to take up your cross. How often? 
daily. It's worse than any horror movie. Now, I hope you didn't watch horror movies last night. But they tell me, in a horror movie, you've got to kill the monster three times before it's dead. Well, you know how often you've got to kill the horror monster that's in the mirror when you get up in the morning? Every day. It just keeps coming back. And it's going to keep coming back until you get to heaven. That's why there's fire on the brazen altar. That's why there's death at the brazen altar. And the coals make the prayers go up. You ever wonder why sometimes you have to struggle? And it just seems like no matter what I do, I'm just treading peanut butter. I'm just, well, what, what the Lord is really doing is that embering process. He's getting rid of all the other things so that the only thing that's left there is His desires. That's what James is talking about when he talks about the effectual, fervent prayer. How many of you remember the old charcoal briquettes? You pull them out of the bag and you light, you douse them with uh, lighting fluid and you sit there. You're not really supposed to cook until they turn white. How many of you do that? Usually about the time they're really ready to cook, I'm sitting at the table cleaning up the dishes. I, I don't like to wait that long. You know what happens when you cook too fast? Your food tastes like lighter fluid because it's still in the charcoal and it gets in your food. You have to wait until all that stuff burns off for to really get a good fire and a good taste and all of those things. You know what? We've got to struggle against ourselves to get rid of all those things. So that when we finally do pray, we're really praying what God wants to pray. That's the picture of the golden altar. But I want us to look at the end of the chapter here. Verse 34 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stakti, and onica, and galbanum, These sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be a like weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection, after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. As for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. Now this incense was special. Only four ingredients. Three of them are listed together. The fourth, frankincense, is listed all by itself. And uh, uh, we can look at the characteristics of these things and, and, and find 
very, I believe, similarities to what ought to be involved in our prayer. Uh, the, the first is uh, steak tea, which is just a, a gum that grows out of a little resinous plant. I mean, if you have ever been walking out in the woods uh, and uh, walked into a patch of witch hazel, uh, well, that's what steak tea is like. Only instead of stinging you and burning you like a witch hazel plant does, when you would break the stem by stepping on it, the, the uh, entire area around you would be filled with the most sweet, beautiful fragrance. I mean, honeysuckle, you got to stick your nose right down in the little stem there to smell anything. But uh, this was like some of the wild herbs that grow out. You step on them and all of a sudden you just, oh, wow, that smells so good. Well, that was steak tea. It was everywhere. And you would just put a little slice and the gum would ooze out of the stem and you would gather that together. Onica was a shellfish closing. Little snail. They have a little bone that goes over the top. I don't know how anybody found this out, but you rip that thing off and you grind it to powder. And its main purpose is it makes everything else ten times stronger and ten times longer. It doesn't have much of a smell of its own. And then the last one, uh, 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 Onica, uh, I mean, Galbanum, again, was uh, a different plant. And, and it was much like steak tea. It grew there in the land. And you would just cut off the stems and gather the resin. And you would mix these things together. Now, frankincense had to be imported. And, and I believe that pictures the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't get that from yourself. You've got to have it imported. Our prayers won't work unless you've got something from God. The Word of God's got to get in you. The Holy Spirit has helped you understand it. And then you can know how to pray. You see, this, this is supposed to be tempered together. The Bible tells us after the art of the apothecary. And if you were here in 2010... Uh, we spent uh, uh, a whole January and February just going through these lessons, the art of the apothecary. And, and what it means is simply an apothecary has rules. Do you know that you go to a chemist shop and you order pills, there's supposed to be certain stuff in those pills and nothing else? How many are glad about that? I mean, years ago, there was a guy, I think it was here in New York City, that was shortchanging patients on their chemotherapy. It was a horrible thing. People died. So that that evil man could pocket money. They thought they were getting drugs that would save their lives. And they weren't. Because he didn't follow the rules. You see, there are set rules on how and what we ought to pray for. That's why you need to read your Bible on a regular basis. My wife and I were talking about the other day, how long have we had those Bible reading schedules? And, and we came up, uh, it's been about 17 years we've ordered those little books and, and given them out. Uh, on uh, the first Sunday or Christmas Sunday for you to do your Bible reading schedule. 
And I'm just going to be mean for a minute. I bet we don't have a dozen people in this room that do what those Bible reading schedules say. And we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. And by the way, that is not what a full, mature Christian ought to be. That doesn't even meet your daily minimum requirements if we can use... I mean, that's, that's bottom of the line. That's where it ought to start, not where it ought to end. You say, how in the world am I supposed to do all that Bible reading? Well, think about all the other reading you do in a year. You know what? It, it's easy. I can pick up certain books. Man, I can sit there and read two or three hundred pages and not even... And of course, everybody else knows what I'm doing, but I don't. I uh, just get lost in the book and read and read and read. You know what? You can't do that with the Bible. It's a struggle. Oh, wait a minute. We're going back to the brazen altar and the death of self, aren't we? You wonder why God put those boring chapters in the Bible? Those things about a, silver, a golden spoon of ten drams weight full of incense and the, and the offering of the son of some, somebody and all of those. I'll tell you, one of the reasons he put those things in there is to make you determined enough to read the Bible. It takes effort. In Sunday school, we talked about Martha preparing a meal for Jesus. She was careful about many things, but she wasn't careful about the one thing. You're not preparing a meal for Jesus when you pray. You're preparing an offering of scent for the nostrils of God the Father. An offering that is going to be smelled by the creator of the universe. Is he pleased? Or is it like walking past the bakery with the putrid garbage can out back all at the same time? You know what, if our noses are that discerning, do you not think God's is much more? The Bible says that the Word of God is quick and it's powerful. It's a discerner of the thoughts of intents of the heart, that it divides even the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. That's, that's how God knows where we are and what's going on in our life as He smells that offering. You see, it was an exclusive offering. If you, as a Jewish person, said, Wow, I just wonder what that, what that smells like. And the Bible says you made some to smell it. You were cut off from the Jewish people. You were removed from Israel. Just because you want to smell the incense, it belongs to God. 
You know who got to smell that incense every morning? The priest that offered it. And the priest that worked in the tabernacle. You want to enjoy the most incredible thing in your life. Get some answered prayers. But you have to be careful. How many of you remember Hezekiah? Did he get answered prayer? He sure did, and he got Manasseh right along with it. That wasn't a good answer at all. God said, Hezekiah, you're going to die. Hezekiah said, no, 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 God, please, no. And God said, okay, we'll give you 15 more years. And two years later, Hezekiah, uh, Manasseh shows up. And God said the things that Manasseh did sealed the doom and the destruction of the temple and the wasting of the entire city of Jerusalem. God answered Hezekiah's prayer. But he didn't do it right. Because Hezekiah let his heart get lifted up. Because God gave him a longer life in answer to his prayer. You see, you've got to remember something. When we pray the right way. Let's just put an application here. You're a priest. You're saved. You're wearing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You've stopped at the brazen altar, labor, and you are clean. You've gotten the coals from the brazen altar, the death of self, and you have the incense that you have put together according to the instructions that are in the Word of God as it applies in your life. And, and you have... Ask for the instruction and the illumination of the Holy Spirit of God, and you finally offer that prayer to God. And He answers it. Who's responsible? Who's responsible for that answer? Let's go to John chapter 16. We're almost done. You see, when we pray the right way, it has so little to do with you that you are actually non-topical. It came from God. It landed in your heart. It went back to God, but it was what God wanted. You see, Jesus is on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in verse 24, 23 and 24 of John chapter 16, it says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. It says, ask, 
in Jesus' name to the Father. You don't give this to anyone else. That's why we don't pray to saints. That's why we don't offer prayers to anyone but God the Father. I heard an independent Baptist preacher have given this illustration. He said, well, I pray a little bit to God the Father, then I pray to the Son, and I pray to the Holy Spirit. I don't want Him to feel left out. That borders on blasphemy, my friend. You pray to God the Father in Jesus' name under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. That's the biblical method of praying. And it is pictured completely in the offering of the incense on the golden altar in the Old Testament tabernacle. And it can be done in a matter of seconds in the life of any believer anywhere you find yourself. Because you can't lose your salvation. The robes of righteousness, they belong to Jesus. But they're yours when you confess your sins because He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We've got to get rid of this stubborn, willful, selfish self. We're reminded the brazen altar where the coals come from and in the onica, part of the spices that make up the prayer. But you know what? If you get so wrapped up in the death of self, all you're going to be is a depressed, worthless person. God doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be full of praise and thanksgiving. He wants you to bring every request to Him. And I've heard people pray this way, Lord, it's just such a little request. Don't pray that way. If it's that worthless, don't bring it to God. But if it's important, by the way, God takes time to attend the funeral of every sparrow and number the hairs on your head. I sincerely doubt you can find something that is insignificant to God. Amen? He wants to hear our prayers. He uses the illustration of smell. We, we talk about worship. And part of our worship is prayer. You know, we, we pray after the first couple of songs and we want to sing songs to get you stop thinking about all the things that are going on in the world and think about the words of those songs and have your mind and heart and then uh, united and, and directed toward God. And then we pray and we talk to God about these things. And we sing more songs. And then we have a prayer during the invitation that we'll make decisions in here that will be a blessing that God will accept up there. That's worship. A broken and contrite heart He will receive. He loves that smell that comes from the end of us and full trust in Him. We also pray and ask God to bless the offering. You know why? 
Because we, we want God to allow our church to function and do things, pay our bills, but support our missionaries and make what goes on here work. We believe in prayer. Remember Brother Newberger when he first came to our church to work, he pulled me aside one day. He said, I've been in a lot of churches. He said, this is the most prayingest church I think I've ever been in. I said, well, there's a reason for that, brother. You're going to find out when you start your church. Uh, you're going to be on your knees all the time because it's going to take miracles from God to make things happen. Amen? You see, God wants us to pray. It's exclusive. Belongs to the Father alone. I had the privilege of, while Stephen was working for Brother Dave at that restaurant, going over there and eating. And we we went, Julie and I went there, and well, I'll tell you what, some of the stuff they put on that plate, I looked at and I'm going, ah, it doesn't look like anything I'd want to eat. But I knew it had to be good because the place was full, so I just ate it anyway. And I'm sitting here going, wow, this is incredible. I've never had so many different tastes all at one time. Uh, I couldn't eat like this every day, but this was, I mean, it, I'm still remembering how uh, amazing who ever heard of melon and swordfish together? But I mean, it, whatever they did, was in, it was incredible. You know why? Because somebody who worked hard put that thing together in such a way. My daughter made key lime cheesecake for my birthday. Let me tell you, she knows how to do that just right. We enjoy food that's done right. God wants to enjoy our prayers. Do you put as much effort in your prayers as you do in baking a cake? Developing a menu? Reading cookbooks? See, that's, that's what God's trying to teach us. You want to see miracles happen in your life and in our church? We need to compound our prayers after the art of the apothecary that it would be pleasing to the Father. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. And we ask you today, that you would do a work in our hearts and lives in convicting us of poorly prepared, of poorly offered prayers. Lord, that we would ask and seek your forgiveness and that you would give us a desire, that you would give us the Holy Spirit of God to lead us and prompt us and teach us the truth 
about real prayer. We ask that You would work in each heart here. And Lord, of course, if there is someone here that is not saved, that today they would understand their need of a Savior. And they would be willing to trust in the Christ who has done all the work that they may be saved. The only prayer God will hear from an unsaved person is that of repentance and faith toward Jesus Christ. We ask that you would work in hearts that we may bring glory to you in the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation, 516.